obviously, you know, Hillary Clinton, in many cases, was kind of counting her chickens before they hatched back in 2016. Uh, she was already talking about cabinet officials and having conversations with potential cabinet officials. Uh, Joe Biden, it seems, has been less presumptive that he's going to win. But reports have been trickling out uh, as far as who Biden is going to pick in his cabinet, uh, who Biden uh, would pick throughout different, administ- uh, different departments and, and what have you. And... One thing I do agree with Elizabeth Warren on, not many, um, is, you know, personnel is policy. So Joe Biden can talk till he's blue in the face about, you know, I want to extend FDR's legacy and we're going to build back better, you know, which was a wonderful consultant poll tested phrase that they came up with. Um, But who he surrounds himself with. And if you've been following us, I've been telling you. Campaign's being been advised by Lauren Summers, a just Hall of Fame member of the neoliberal uh, gang. Uh, he was with Bill Clinton's administration, pushing NAFTA, the repeal of Glass-Steagall. He was with the Obama administration, instrumental on the crappy stimulus, which didn't go far enough. Uh, Biden's campaign has also been advised by uh, Robert Rubin, who was Treasury Secretary to Bill Clinton, another neoliberal hack. Um, Biden's potential chief of staff will be Ron Klain, by all reports, who comes from the private equity and Wall Street industry. So, uh, yeah, I guess you could say uh, nothing will fundamentally change. And before heads explode, as always, I ain't telling you how how to vote. And me reporting on Biden's corruption does not mean I'm saying Donald Trump is any better. But I'm not going to close my eyes, count to 10, and wait till the election passes to tell the truth about Joe Biden. Other people could do that. I'm not going to. So Joe Biden, uh, from everything that's been out so far, uh, seems to be trying to stack his potential administration with a just Hall of Fame crew of Wall Street neoliberal globalizers who, you know, throw out progressive platitudes, but in, in practice are just servants of Wall Street. Well, the American Prospect, which does great work, by the way, broke this this morning. Ooh, Joe Biden is considering Governor of Rhode Island, Governor of Rhode Island, Gina Raimondo. Uh, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but I don't think I'm out. Gina Raimondo of Rhode Island. Now, for those of you that don't live in Rhode Island, you might not know who... Gina Raimondo is. Um, I actually covered the Rhode Island primary in 2016 on the ground, so I know a, a little bit about her. But if Mitt Romney is like Mr. Bain Capital, then Gina Raimondo is like Miss Bain Capital. She's, or Miss Goldman Sachs, shall we say. I'll read a little bit from the American Prospect story and then tell you more. Uh, this would not be a good thing. Joe Biden's transition team has informed Democratic officials that Gina Raimondo, the centrist governor of Rhode Island, I don't know if she's centrist, uh, is under consideration as the next secretary of the Treasury should Biden win the election. Raimondo, in her second term as governor, dazzled, she dazzled Biden's campaign in interviews to become his vice president in June. 
a former venture capitalist who took the governor's mansion on the strength of millions of dollars in Wall Street donations, Ramondo's name will stir the long memories of union leaders. They have held a grudge with her for years over her tenure as state treasurer when she cut pension benefits for public employees while steering over $1 billion in state money to hedge fund investments. Let me repeat that. When she cut pension benefits for public employees while state treasurer, while steering over $1 billion in state money to hedge fund investors. And for a little bit more on that, Democratic governor gubernatorial candidate Matt Brown attacked pension cuts for state employees dating back to Governor Raimondo's previous role as state treasurer at a town hall. Uh, Despite those setbacks, an overwhelming majority of attendees, many of whom were retired teachers, responded to Brown's proposals and critiques of Governor Raimondo with excitement, and many expressed a sense of betrayal at the governor's previous management of the pension fund. In 2011, Raimondo told with announced uh, Raimondo told with announced adjustments for two decades, as well as invest more than one billion in retire, retirement assets in hedge funds for a hybrid 401k-style retirement plans. Well, that's how I want my retirement spent, being milked into a hybrid with hedge fund goons. Change you could, be, change you could believe in, Rhode Island. So let's get a little bit more. But recalling those hard feelings may be the point. One source theorized to the prospect that leaking Romando's name could make Federal Reserve Governor Lyle Brainard, until now seen as the leading possibility for Treasury Secretary, seem more palatable. Brainard, who worked at Treasury under Tim Geithner, has been attempting to portray a more liberal public image as the decision approaches. Progressives have endorsed other names for Treasury Secretary, the most prominent being Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren. Others being discussed include Atlanta Federal Reserve Chair Raphael Bostic and blah, 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 blah. Whether legitimate or a trial balloon with an ulterior motive, Ramondo's mention has already triggered opposition in progressive circles. Quote, Ramondo has built her career on subservience to Wall Street and her selection would be an affront to organized labor, said David Segal, executive director of Demand Progress, a leading progressive organization, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he's also a former member of the Providence City Council and state representative in Rhode Island. In a statement, a Biden transition spokesperson said the, Hyden, the Biden-Harris transition team is not making any personal decisions, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Ramondo, 49, graduated magna cum laude at Harvard, so she's got the meritocracy down to a T, and was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford. She served as senior vice president at Village Ventures, a Massachusetts VC firm backed by Bain Capital, ooh, Mitt Romney fame, and later joined another firm named Point Judith Capital before entering politics. So her history with state pensions while serving as uh, Rhode Island's treasurer from 2011 to 2015 might be more notable. Ramondo aggressively pursued a pension overhaul that cut benefits for those already retired and froze cost of living adjustments. She then transferred 14 percent of the state fund to hedge fund investments, including Dan Loeb's third point capital and Paul Singer, a billionaire, 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 Elliott Management. Loeb and Singer subsequently enjoyed tens of millions in fees from a state Ramondo presented as so cash-strapped that public employees would have to give back benefits they earned through a lifetime of toil. The hedge fund investments, meanwhile, wound up un- underperforming the stock market. So, bottom line, 
Ramondo is a private equity vulture. And here's the thing. American Prospect, which is very clued in, so I take what they say uh, correctly, could be two scenarios here. Biden's camp is floating a really reprehensible person, and I'm going to tell you more about her, Gina Raimondo, as a way not actually intending to uh, bring her on as Treasury Secretary, but to outrage progressives so much that when they actually put through who they really want, which is Leal Brainerd, it will be more palatable. I reported on Leal Brainerd, I think last week or the week before. She is a alumni of the Bill Clinton administration, of Obama's administration. She was actually tasked with executing NAFTA. You remember NAFTA? Sold your jobs if you live in Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, parts of the Northeast, parts of the Southeast. Sold your jobs to China, Mexico, and elsewhere. Was basically written by banks. Well, Leal Leal Brainerd was was the gal who helped execute NAFTA. She also is a champion of the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which I've been telling you didn't really come up in the debates because, frankly, I don't know what Bernie was doing. He didn't attack Biden on NAFTA, TPP, and other things that much. And, frankly, Trump hasn't gone after Biden on NAFTA and TPP that much. But uh, Leinerd, uh, Leal Brainerd is a champion of the TPP. Uh, so if she gets in as Treasury Secretary, TPP is happening. They'll change a sentence or two. It'll go through. Uh, The AFL-CIO in 2015 said the TPP would be the final nail in the coffin of organized labor in this country. Very important. Joe Biden is for the TPP. He kind of played dumb during the primary when asked about it, but he was trying to get Hillary Clinton in 2016 to stand by the TPP when she ran. And as recently as 2018, he was talking about the TPP. Biden is a fan of globalization He pretends to be a union man. He pretends to be, I'm Scranton Joe, you know, look at my lunch bucket. No, he sold all those workers offshore. And if Lionel Brainard becomes Treasury Secretary, it ain't going to be good. It ain't going to be good. But here's a little bit more on Gina Raimondo. Gina Raimondo, uh, who is the Rhode Island governor. She has an affinity for doing partnerships with Goldman Sachs. You know, Goldman Sachs which helped bring down the global financial uh, economy in 2008, 2009, which I just reported on Goldman Sachs. Uh, Another slap on the wrist for the bankers. Goldman Sachs was just fined $5 billion. The heads on on CNBC and in the corporate media are exploding. Holy cow, $5 billion, so much money. To Goldman Sachs, okay, we got to buy one more. You know, if you're the executives, one less yacht purchased this year. Maybe, you know, we'll scale back the bonuses a little bit. $5 billion in the grand scheme of things, nothing. But Goldman Sachs is just fine $5 billion for literally helping uh, Malaysian government officials execute the biggest global money laundering scheme in world history. 1MDB, look it up. I interviewed Matt Taibbi on it last year. Goldman Sachs, slap on the wrist. Why? Because we live in the United Corporations of America. That's why, folks, we don't have a government. We have a giant, giant corporation running things. But Gina Raimondo, who apparently is being blew Joe Biden and his advisors advisors away uh, in the vice presidential interview, who's now apparently being considered uh, as Treasury Secretary, apparent uh, she has a pattern of doing, you know, going to Goldman Sachs for economic relief, economic partnerships. Here you have, as stimulus money runs out, 
Uh, Rhode Island's tapping Goldman Sachs to support small businesses and backstop federal PPP. Um, the, uh, blah, 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 blah. Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo um, joined uh, in this announcement, announced on Monday that uh, Goldman Sachs has pledged $10 million to back loans from the federal uh, paycheck protection program. Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo and a few other place people joined in the announcement. On Thursday, the New York Times reported the disaster loans program's missteps have been overshadowed by the chaotic start of the federal government's other large small business aid effort. The PPP program, which started taking applications last week, applicants to that initiative have faced delays as banks deal with the hasty deployment of the $349 billion program. Others in Rhode Island's restaurant industry have criticized the federal PPP program. Jose Castellanos, founder of Roadie Tees, said that he has already received a bridge loan from Rhode Island Commerce, and that has allowed him to stay in business. The funding is separate from loans programs. Quote, I want to thank Goldman Sachs for making this incredible commitment to Rhode Island, said Romando. The decisions we've had to make to keep Rhode Islanders safe through the crisis have had an overwhelming impact on our economy, particularly our small, business, small businesses. It's urgent that we offer swift solutions that bring needed resources, blah, 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 blah. Well, let me tell you something, folks, because, you know, I live in the real world and I've been around the country over the last few years. Uh, Goldman Sachs is not backstopping anything unless it could rip, rip, uh, rip off uh, the people that need that PPP money most. So if Gina Raimondo, the governor of Rhode Island, is setting up partnerships with Goldman Sachs to backstop uh, PPP loans, uh, I got news for you. Goldman Sachs is making out like bandits. And I would venture to guess that the people in Rhode Island, the small business owners that need that PPP money, are not getting a good deal if Goldman Sachs is involved. That wasn't the first time she has done this. Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo announced that Goldman Sachs has committed $10 million for loans and for small businesses in Rhode Island through a partnership with Rhode Island Commerce Corporations with Community Reinvestment Fund, the largest nonprofit, non-bank SBO lender in the country. 96% of all businesses in Rhode Island are small businesses, and Rhode Island will continue to deliver resources to its entrepreneurs. Again, I want to thank Goldman Sachs for this incredible commitment, blah, 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 blah. I've actually Googled it. I think she's done three or four partnerships with Goldman Sachs, which makes sense. If you come from private equity, if you think that investment banks like Goldman Sachs are wonderful corporate citizens who help the people in mass while ripping off the people, if you think as state treasurer before she was governor, the best way to safeguard uh, hard blue collar workers uh, pensions is to divert pension funds to hedge fund investments. Uh, then, yeah, you're probably going to do partnerships with vultures like Goldman Sachs. And why this is important, if she's seriously being considered to be Treasury Secretary, if she's done this on the state level as a governor, what would she do as Treasury Secretary to revive, revive small businesses? Because, you know, we got to consider, what, is Joe, what would a President Biden stimulus look like? What would uh, a Treasury Secretary do to revive small businesses? Would a Treasury Secretary, Gina Raimondo, be doing partnerships with corporate, you know, courageous corporate citizens like Goldman Sachs to revive the COVID-depressed economy? Because I don't want any part of that. None. Because Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, all of these 
big, big banks. And I'm not, you know, I'm not attacking every single person who works at these banks. I know, you know, I have a friend who works at AIG. He's a good guy. He's not a criminal. However, the common denominator for all of these big banks is they know, because we live in the United Corporations of America, that essentially they just write into their annual um, balance sheet whatever the fines might be for when they inevitably get caught scamming, uh, scamming bank clients, creating fake accounts, Wells Fargo, helping foreign governments execute money laundering schemes, Goldman Sachs, uh, predatory lending of scam mortgages, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America. Not one person has gone to jail. Yet Gina Raimondo, she's doing partnerships with Goldman Sachs. And if it actually worked, if, you know, tapping into Goldman Sachs to backstop the PPP program, if that was actually something that could give cash infusions with relatively no strings attached to struggling small businesses, I'd say, fine, I don't like Goldman Sachs, but that's fine. But it never works out for the average blue-collar worker. It works out for wealthy investors, their stock portfolio, but it doesn't work out for you. This is not somebody you want anywhere near the White House, much less as the Treasury Secretary. And Treasury Secretary of all the cabinet positions is one of the most influential. Look at Steve Mnuchin and what he's been able to do. I mean, Steve Mnuchin has taken a a deregulative machete and just tossed aside even the meek, weak regulations that the Obama administration put in to safeguard and monitor Wall Street. Gina, uh, Steve Mnuchin has basically shit on those. Excuse my French. Swear jar. And then there's the fact that she didn't even endorse Joe Biden. Who do you think she endorsed? Shocking. She endorsed Michael Bloomberg. Continuing her love affair with Wall Street, this Forbes story wrote. Given Governor uh, Gina Raimondo's longstanding love affair with Wall Street billionaires. It comes as no surprise that Raimondo has endorsed Michael Bloomberg for president, the first governor in the country to back him in a wide-open Democratic primary. Raimondo is also joining Bloomberg's self-financed presidential campaign as national co-chair, according to the Providence Journal. It was an easy call, Raimondo said. I'm sure it was an easy call for Raimondo to endorse ultra-wealthy Bloomberg Probably every bit as easy as using a Wall Street billionaire hedge fund investor to backstop her in 2006 when she sought to persuade the state pension to invest $5 million with her unproven Rhode Island-based venture capital firm. Thanks to the helpful out-of-state hedge fund mogul's backing, the state pension, state pension has paid her an ongoing asset-based fee, call it a loser's bonus, of $125,000 per year for the past 13 years, even though Romando's investment fund has dramatically underperformed. No doubt the 125000 a year bonus has been a nice supplement to her paltry state salary of approximately the same amount. Perhaps given her impressive educational credentials, she feels she's deserving of a little something extra from taxpayers and pensioners. Another easy call for Romando was her so-called pension reform with slashed school teachers and other state workers pension benefits by 3%, but increased fees paid to Gina and her Wall Street pals by 2.5% and 4% respectively. Hey, talk about build back better. Bring her on board, baby.
it, 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 it's just, it's just unbelievable, folks. But this stuff, because we're living in this Trump derangement syndrome, and there's plenty of reason to be deranged about Donald Trump. Don't get me wrong. But because we're living in this perpetual uh, Donald Trump derangement syndrome, where the corporate media, I mean, they're basically cheering for Biden at this point. All of this is basically to say it's not just that nothing will fundamentally change under Joe Biden. I think what people are missing here is that economically speaking, things might actually move even further right than they were in Obama because the neoliberal order, and what I mean by that, are the banks, the lobbyists, uh, the consultants, the real estate developers, uh, the financiers, they are emboldened. The polls show Biden up considerably. Uh, I don't care about the national polls. I care about the swing states. It shows Biden doing fairly well, even to the point that if he underperformed, he still has that cushion where it looks like he would win. But to me, the most important thing are not the polls. To me, the most important thing is what we're seeing uh, in a lot of places around the country. U.S. has eliminated nearly 21,000 Election Day polling locations for 2020. This is from Vice exclusively. An analysis shows a 20 percent cut in election locations nationwide and much deeper cuts in California, Maryland, Kentucky, New Jersey, Nevada and North Dakota. Almost 21,000 Election Day polling places have been eliminated heading into the 2020 election. A drastic dip in voting locations driven by a heavy shift to mail voting, coronavirus-related consolidations, cost-cutting measures, and voter suppression. Vice News obtained data from all 50 states and D.C. on the number of physical polling locations they will have in place on November 3rd and compared their numbers to how many sites they had in 2016 and 2012. What emerged was a patchwork of cuts large and small across the country. Many states made these cuts as they were expanding mail voting. 23 states made it, cle- made it easier to vote by mail this year because of COVID, but the overall trend is clear. Most states are eliminating polling locations, a trend that could disproportionately impact poor, young, and non-white voters. Why is that important? Yes, we are seeing, it looks like, record, record numbers in early, uh, early voting across the country Uh, by the numbers it looks like the early voting is disproportionately helping joe biden however uh the most disenfranchised voters of uh, among us uh black voters brown voters uh younger black voters younger white voters poor white voters tend to vote closer to election day or on election day also i've i found it reporting around the country look at the charles booker uh versus amy mcgrath in Kentucky. And by the way, Amy McGrath, it looks like she might lose by 20 points. Best money Chuck, Chuck Schumer has squandered. And by the way, the same billionaires donating to uh, Joe Biden from the Upper West Side of Manhattan poured money into Amy McGrath's sinking Titanic. I digress. But the thing is, in, in that poor community on the West Side of Louisville, they were never even informed that they could mail in their votes. They were never even uh, sent mail-in votes. You think at Louisville, the, the uh, low-income African-American part of Louisville is a one-off? I'm telling you, you black people, brown people, and low-income people, are. it's being made harder for them to mail-in vote. Uh, many of them can't early vote uh, through, due to, uh, for whatever reason, multiple jobs, uh, don't have the time, raising kids. 
And when they're going on election day, they are going to notice and find out the hard way that their polling place has been cut or their polling place has been moved within a 20-mile drive and they don't have a car. This could hurt uh, Biden. While Trump, a lot more Republicans, it seems, are going to be voting on election day. And most of those Republicans are not low-income black or brown people. They are old, you know, older white folk, basically. And they will have access to their polling place. So that could make a difference. The other thing here, and this is actually very important, and this was kind of not, not, not covered because everybody was focused on Amy Coney Barrett, uh, Brett Kavanaugh signals he's open, well, this is from Slate, to stealing the election <laughs> for Trump. As the Senate was voting to elevate Amy Coney Barrett to a lifetime position on the Supreme Court Monday night, the immediate stakes for the entire country were made suddenly clear by a critical election ruling from the court she now joins. On Monday night, Justice Brett Kavanaugh released a radical and brazenly partisan opinion that dashed any hopes he, as the Supreme Court's new median justice, might slow walk the court's impending conservative revolution while also threatening the integrity of next week's election. In an 18-page lecture, the justice cast doubt on the legitimacy of many mail ballots and endorsed the most sinister component of Bush v. Gore. America's new median justice is not a friend to democracy, and we may pay the price for Barrett's confirmation in just eight days. Monday's order from the Supreme Court blocked a federal judge's order that had tweaked Wisconsin's voting laws in light of the pandemic. The judge directed election officials to count ballots that were postmarked by Election Day, but received by November 9th, finding that the unprecedented de demand for mail ballots combined with postal service delays could disenfranchise up to 100,000 voters. An appeals court blocked his decision on October 8th, and on Monday, SCOTUS kept it on hold by a 5-3 vote. The court offered no majority opinion, but Chief Justice John Roberts, Justice Neil Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh all wrote concurrences. Justice Alina Kagan penned a trenchant uh, dissent joined by Justice Stephen Breyer and Sonia Sotomayor. Kavanaugh's opinion is the most notable of the bunch because he is the new median justice, and the opinion is frankly terrifying. In one passage, Kavanaugh attempted to defend the Wisconsin law disqualifying ballots received after Election Day. He pointed out that most states, quote, most states share this policy, explaining those states want to avoid the chaos and suspicions of impropriety that can ensue if thousands of absentee ballots flow in after Election Day and potentially flip the results of an election. And those states also want to be able to definitively announce the results of the election on Election Night or as soon as possible thereafter. Kavanaugh then quoted New York University law professor Richard Pildes, stating that the, quote, longer after Election Day any significant changes in vote totals take place, the greater the risk that the losing side will cry that the election has been stolen. Kavanaugh was quoting an article in which Pildes encouraged states to extend their ballot deadlines, directly contradicting Kavanaugh's argument. It is genuinely alarming that the justice cast these aspersions on aspersions on late arriving ballots in at least 18 states and the district of columbia election officials do count ballots that th that arrive after election day and in these states there is no result to flip because there is no result to overturn until all valid ballots are counted further bush's 2000 election legal team which included Bra barrett kavanaugh and roberts can you imagine that all three all 
Three of these Republican Supreme Court justices were on Bush's legal team in 2000, argued during that contested election that ballots arriving late and without postmarks, which were thought to benefit Bush, must be counted in Florida. Folks, I don't I try not to be dramatic, but these folks might try to steal it for Trump if it's close enough to do so. I mean, no mention here that we're in an unprecedented situation with coronavirus. It's all, well, we don't want to raise suspicions here, allowing mail-in ballots that come later than Election Day, even though they do accept um, absentee ballots from, say, veterans or military soldiers that come later. I'm telling you, uh, I don't want to make anyone sick, but this might not be an election night. This might not be an election week. This might be an election month. This might be an election winter. The only way that that's not going to happen is if Biden completely over overperform, uh, overperforms his lead right now. Um, so we'll see. We will see what happens.